Hello, and welcome to The Dentrepreneur Show. I am Dr. D. Todd Russell, a dentist and entrepreneur with over 30 years of experience. On this show, we're going to discuss, engage, and prepare you for taking your practice or business to its end game. How do you grow it? What metrics do you track? How do you know when is the right time and what things you need to have in place to create the best long-term value for your business and wealth for yourself? You need to polish your spirit and prepare yourself no matter how far along you are in your career. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dentrepreneur. I am Dr. D. Todd Russell, and with me today is someone who is not in the dental space, but his background, his culture, his personality couldn't be better for what we're talking about when it comes to valuation of your practice, determining how and when to get out, and kind of the guts that are needed behind it. With me today is Babe Kwasniak. Babe, welcome to my show. Dr. Russell, my brother, it is an honor and a privilege, and, and you know I mean that. I do. I do. We go back, uh, you know, I'm probably approaching 20 years now, maybe at least 15. And uh, every time I'm with you, it is an uplifting experience. And to have you on my show, not only to edify you, but we're going to talk about your accomplishments, which are like you've done more in couple of decades of being an adult than most people do in a lifetime, babe. And some of the work you're doing is now God's work. But Every time I'm with you, man, whether it's a beer on the golf course, just passing by, happen to see each other at, uh, you know, Home Depot, it's I always walk away going, man, I'm so glad that guy's in my life. But thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. you're welcome. You're welcome, brother. So what uh, my listeners don't know about you is that uh, Babe is, let's see, we'll start with, he is a graduate of West Point. He is a uh, decorated military veteran. He is currently the civilian aide to the secretary of the army in the state of Ohio. He's got received multiple awards while he was in the Army, Army Achievement Medal, Army Commendation Medal, Service Medal, Army Global War on Terrorism Medal. So his military career is fantastic. Then he parlays that into following in his father's footsteps and becoming a high school basketball coach, where not only does he follow in his father's footsteps by becoming the coach, but he goes on to win state championships and not just one, not just two, not just three, but he winds up winning and getting to the championship level almost every year that he does it. Now he's actually backed himself down and he's at a, at a middle school as a head basketball coach, but he's converted himself into a motivational speaker, a leadership coach. And I touched on God's work. Um, he's now actually helping a lot with veterans tackling challenges, PTSD, transition, suicidal tendencies, and things like that. Babe, I could keep going on and on. I didn't even mention the fact that you outkicked your coverage in marrying <laughs> Laura, who's also a West Point grad. And what's interesting about Babe is at his house, he's got these uh, you know hero walls, and he's got this picture of his graduating class at West Point. And he conveniently points out, you see, that's me like down there in that bottom row, like kind of in the middle. And then there's my wife. She's in the top in the middle. So what you don't know is in this picture, you are standing by rank of how you graduated in the class. And so my wife, center middle, number one, me, bottom middle, almost number last. So babe, yeah, yeah, I'll kick your coverage. I was more like General Patton, you know, my wife was a little more like General MacArthur, you know, Todd, Todd we all, we all, we all have our, uh, we all have our avenues, right? Where we get to. But, yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, welcome to the show, babe. I'll, I'll stop talking about you. I'll let you, you know, fill in some of the blanks there for me. Yeah. Well, first off, you said I was a, a grade school coach. That is not accurate. I'm, I'm oh, the high school coach, actually. Sorry. At, uh, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I was the head coach 
for Villa Angelo St. Joseph High School in Cleveland, Ohio for, for 10 years, and that w- which was my alma mater where I went. And in 2020, right before COVID hit, we parted ways, and I ended up now, I took a year off, but now I coach at Cornerstone Christian Academy, where we just finished our second year. Just been a, a huge blessing in my life. So on the side, I'm a I'm a high school basketball coach, but as you said, I'm the civilian aide to the Secretary of the Army, and, and a lot of people, Doc, ask, well, well, what is that? And what we do is we're the conduit between the Army and the civilian sector. So I have two major pillars that I work on. Number one is is recruiting. And I don't know if you saw our, our, our brand new commercial. We went back to Be All You Can Be, which yeah. I thought was really cool. I, I you know, it kind of gives me chills that. because it's such an important time. Obviously, what's going on politically and what's going on, it's a crazy time in our world. And, you know, we talk about Russia, we talk about China. So we need the right folks defending us, you know, and we need the right folks, regardless of race, sex, gender, creed. We need because when you're talking about winning your country's wars, it doesn't matter to fill any type of quota. It matters that we get the best. And, and we have since, mm. since 1776. Then the second part of my job, as you alluded to, is our Soldier for Life program. And and maybe we'll get into this later. Maybe this is another podcast, but um, but I'm I'm a PTSD survivor. I am a suicide survivor. In 2015, I I tried to take my own life, and that's a whole other story. But um, so I work with a lot of soldiers and a lot of veterans with with suicidal ideations, as well as just you know explaining to people that not every single person that served in the military has PTSD or has has dealt with these things. A, a lot of a lot of my issues actually didn't stem from. Is something survivor's guilt that I thought I didn't do enough. And you'll find out, and, I, and we're going to talk about this, I'm sure we get in our team building. And I'll just start with this, Doc, you know, like post-traumatic stress syndrome, a lot of people think it's it's killing someone or watching someone be killed. The number one component for post-traumatic stress syndrome with the United States Army veteran is guilt, is the fact that they let their teammate down. And this number blows people away. 59% of of veterans who died by suicide, they never went to a combat zone. They never deployed. That number blows people away. And this epidemic is almost, uh, it's a reflection of society, right? I mean, and again, we can go on that in a whole nother podcast, but those are my, those are my two major pillars for, for the United States army. And, you know, as my podcast grows, babe, I think that's a great topic because my colleagues also have a huge, large percentage, more than the general population of suicide. There's something about the dentist. You know what? I think I saw that somewhere because you inflict pain, right? Well, we think we're helping, but you somehow internally, yes. Fascinating. Somebody walks, the first time someone meets you, I hate you. That's the first thing they say. I hate you. That was what I thought when I met you, to be honest. Right. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Friend. But no, seriously, you know, right away, you, you're all of a sudden we're defending ourselves. And for some people that can that can take you mm. down. Now, if you can put on those blinders and and focus on, you know, what you are doing, you're actually helping people, whether it's, you know, people come in in pain when people are in pain and they see you. The first thing they say is, I'm so glad to see you. And then you get them out of pain and now you've done them a service. And so mm. I think, yeah, we could definitely have a conversation about that. And I got somebody else. Maybe we could do it. You know, you, me and this uh, this other friend of mine who's on who's on the mental health side. I think it'd be a great conversation. But today we're here to talk about which is sort of the opening of my podcast. And you're you know, you're one of the first dozen or so guests that I'm having on here. I've seen and struggled with I shouldn't say struggled with. I've seen so many of my colleagues are entering into this. What do I do at the end of my career? How do I get out? My company that I founded 
started, you know, is buying practices and and trying to grow itself through acquisitions. But I'm coming across these doctors who are handcuffed They're They think their practice used to be worth X. It's now worth Y and they can't understand and systems and are antiquated. Culture is antiquated. And so this podcast is bringing people like you on to talk about just that leadership, motivation, systems, culture, and building up so that you can, all those little things don't show up on a profit and loss. Mm. Ultimately, they do at the bottom Mm. line number, which then turns into a bigger valuation. So that's why I've got you on. Hey, let's take a quick tangent here because you know I like to do that. Everybody on my show has heard me say this, but hey, babe, I believe if I am holding this (laughs) and you are not, do you not owe me a beer? Captain Quaz owes you a beer. Eh? You know, you know the way that works, brother. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, sure. well, why don't you take a quick second and, and explain <laughs> what these are and what they really mean? I have another one, by the way. This is from 2016 when the Cleveland Monsters oh, won the cool. Calder Cup. Oh, that's right. Oh, so that's if you were that. a member of the team and I was the doc, we all got one of these and we're together forever the rest of our lives. If you don't have it with you, you're buying. Yeah, those are military challenge coins. So I think the way they started using them is that you got something for, you know, back in World War II, a confirmed kill or, or something of that nature. And now they've morphed into our units will have their military challenge coin. Normally the commander and the sergeant major will have those. So when a soldier does something, you know, it could be some. I mean, we've given them out for someone taking someone out of a burning car or, or, or just having an outstanding score on a physical fitness test to whatever the leaders deem may be necessary. And it's kind of, t- it's kind of morphed into this pretty um, just awesome tradition. Yeah. And so what happens is in your unit, if you have one of your coins and you go out for a drink and you have yours and your buddy doesn't, then he's got to buy you a drink. Yeah. So somewhere in my, in my office, I, I don't know how to turn this around because I'm not that tech savvy, but I have where I do my Pentagon calls from my, my, my wall. I have all my, you know, I have all my coins and, you know, those tell such a story because my two favorite ones are from two of my former bosses that I worked for. One was General Dempsey, who was the chairman of USA Basketball. He was the uh, 18th chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff for President Obama. And then the other one was General Brown, who was Colonel Brown at the time, who is now the uh, CEO for the uh, Army Alumni Association. So he's basically over the entire. And it's it's pretty cool for me because, you know, I, I I started with those guys. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great tradition. I love it. And I and I I waited until we got recording here in the intro part to uh, to throw this out in your face. So because I know. And then, like I said, in 2016, I got the other one completely, you know, a little different, but the same. And obviously a tip of the cap to what you guys do with these coins that here a pro sports team wins a thing, wins a championship. And so that they always have the bind they're bound together the rest of their lives from what happened that year. But now the rest of their lives, they'll come across each other. And, you know, obviously many of them, uh, there's only one or two left on the team now um, mm. will go and they'll connect again. And to have that, that bond is so unique, which is a great segue into let's talk about people and culture. Uh, mm. babe. So I'm talking to docs who, Many times the the doc is put on a pedestal. It's a solo practitioner, and I'll just paint this picture. Solo practitioner, doing very well. And in our space, a million dollars revenue is considered great for a solo practitioner. And you know, it's a it's a staff, it's five, seven people, maybe 10 people working for this doc, and they all admire the doc. But a lot of times the doc is uh, you know, the head cook and chief bottle washer. And so they're all everything. And so the culture is is that person. 
I am a big proponent of letting the others in the organization be part of and dictate that culture and how it goes. I think the Army and your experiences as a a basketball coach, you do that with your players. You did that Mm. with your players. You still do today. They they become part of the culture of that locker room, right? Mm. I I see it time and time again with your own social media posts, how you come Mm. across the boys that played for you 15 years ago. Mm. you still follow, you still keep in Mm. touch with, and every one of them to a man says is what you kept in that living room of your locker room. Same thing in dentistry. We have this team. And while the leader is clearly the coach or the doc, what is your take on that? First of all, if you doctors think you know everything, and and I can say that because I'm married to one, you know, so you have that, you have that issue too. (laughs) Um, But first off, let me say, Todd, I'm so proud of what you're doing because Thanks, you know, I listened to some of the snippets and everything, and I, I loved your one you did on mentorship. And, and I thought I thought about when you talked about how you had one mentor that was great to his patients, but treated his staff like crud mm-hmm. and how the other one was the opposite. Yeah, flipped. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked for two generals like that. And I was like, wow. That, and yeah. I didn't realize at the time until you brought that up. So it applies to every part of life. I, I know in my own career, I've been in the military and I've been a head coach for a high school basketball team, very successful, I mean, a pretty successful one. I mean, sales was the one thing I was in medical sales. I was in cancer diagnostics and molecular testing. It's probably the one thing that I, I could just, I, I was, God gifted me. Right. And, and I'm a name dropper, as you know, and a lot of times I say it's what, you know, it's not who, you know, it's who knows you, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the president when the president knows you. Now we're talking about a different relationship. And so when we're talking about all these things, when we're talking about what I'm most passionate about, which is leadership, what we're talking about is a contact sport. Leadership is a contact sport. So you can't lead from an ivory tower. So the good ones understand that we've got to get down. We were talking about what those military challenge points is, is touching our people. And guess what, Todd? Contact sports are not for everybody. I know you're a hockey guy, brother. I know, I know I'm, I'm, you're ready to put the pads on right now and play. But the reality is, is so many folks have this backwards. You talked about the results. They want the results and they're skipping the steps, okay? Because the results are a direct reflection of your behaviors. So if I get the term motivational speaking, a motivational speaker, motivation is a myth, brother. Like you can't, you know this, you cannot be a champion and only do it on the days that you feel like doing it. That's a myth. That's a bunch of hogwash. We believe in discipline. We believe in, hey, we're going to do it no matter what. All right, I'm going to get up and make my bed, which is what we do in the military. And why do we do that? Well, number one, because we want to have an astute attention to detail. Number two is that's our order of accomplishment, right? If we take care of these results, okay, the behaviors, then the mission, which is the goal, the behaviors will will result in that. That will take care of the results. But the behaviors are a direct reflection of your culture. And that's exactly what you talked about, right? This is how we do things around here. And on a high school basketball team as a coach, If I'm the guy dictating our culture, Todd, we're not going to be very good. But if I can empower my folks to understand, then for us, it'll be as simple as tuck your shirt in. Now, we're not tucking our shirt in because, you know, that's the rule or we're a tie. It's because that is our standard of behavior. And I think it's because I'm a military guy. I really don't believe a lot in rules, right? I I graduated from West Point barely and... And, you know, a lot of things in life, I, I just, I pinch myself, like, like, how did I even end up getting here? Like, this doesn't, but I think a lot of times it's, yeah. it's like, 
other people's standards for me will never supersede the standards I have for myself. And that's why you got where you did, babe. Don't undersell yourself on that, okay? Because you don't give up. You stick to those standards. You always want to achieve. And so I always say, I am not the brightest bulb on the scoreboard. But And I teach my children this, but nobody can outwork me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, you know? I agree. And, and you just got to be careful. I think I am very passionate, as are you. But I was told this a long time ago by a, a pretty uh, pretty famous basketball coach named Mike Krzyzewski from Duke. He said, <laughs> you know, he said. Um, West Point guy. Yeah, West Point guy. I was working his camp one year and he's like, you know, he's like, your passion, a lot of it's going to come off. A lot of people are going to think it's fake. They're going to think, no way can this dude be the, this way all the time. And, you know, you and I have a common friend, my best friend, Jason Waybreck. And a lot of my buddies think that when they meet the guy, they're like, there's no way this guy is like this all the time. And, and I like that. No, yeah, that's a superpower. Like he he is, he he is, is. so positive. Yeah hundred percent of his life. And anyway, the reason I bring that up is because you got to be careful that that passion doesn't turn into emotion, right? Because passion can heat your house, can cook your food, but when it turns into emotion, which it did in my life, <laughs> it could literally burn your house down. And again, that's, that's another podcast, but I talked about culture, Todd, and, and who dictates the culture is the leader. The leader dictates the culture. So, okay. If you want results, it starts with the leader who right. is in charge. The leader dictates the culture. The culture drives the behaviors that we're, we're performing every day. And then that is what produces the results. We have it backwards in society. It's gotten so bad where I was like, oh, we want this result. And, and, and you know, we're skipping these steps. And, you know, what are we talking about? What do we talk about when we talk about leadership? I mean, for me, and that's why I was so pumped to hear your podcast and hear you talk about mentorship, because we're talking about why would someone want to follow me? Right. So whether that's going into combat, like, why do I know this person's going to be behind me? Because right. the worst thing I could do is advocate my authority. The worst thing I could do is this is what General Russell said we're doing. So that's why we're doing it. No, Captain Kwasnick has got to turn to his guy and say, hey, Specialist Gibbons, we're doing this because X, Y and Z. And what people don't realize is when soldiers, you know, when we, when we bring a soldier home in a body bag and an American flag or in a casket, and American flag, we don't fight for. Republicans. We don't fight for Democrats. We don't fight for an ideal. And, and we don't fight for that flag. We fight for that person to our left and to our right. Mm. And in order to do that, the, the key word is trust, right? So how do we get someone to trust us? And what, what we learn is, is the best leaders don't produce followers. They produce more leaders. And therefore it's, you know, I call it Todd, my, my hit by a, the bus, you know, theory. Like if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, our culture should be so strong that really who we are should be okay when you're not there, right? And it's funny you bring that up. I mean, of course, no names in any of this, but I, I left my dentistry office because the doc was great. But the person at the front desk, I had something going on with the Pentagon where I couldn't move my appointment. I think the doctor completely understood, but the front desk person was, uh, good service beats good food, brother, right? And I was like, okay, well, I'll just go somewhere else. And it had nothing to do with it had nothing to do with the, the form of care, the, what, what they were doing with my teeth or whatever. It was right. it was the, the, the front desk. And, and your culture is everything. All those little things, you know, add up and make a big difference. And that, that would be my thing for your viewers is you can't lead from an ivory tower. That mm -hmm. Leadership is a, is a contact sport. And there's so much sales in leadership. There really is. Yeah. There, there's so much that, that ability. And to me, I've seen great communicators that are not great leaders. I've never seen a great leader who, who could not communicate. Right. It's absolutely pivotal in, in leadership.
Right. And in that ivory tower, and it's, uh, there's two things here, babe, that you, you keep touching on or that you've hit on. First of all, it's this culture concept. And if you were hit by a bus, right. And this actually came up on one of my other, with one of my other guests is, and that's why the strategy, this exit planning now thinking about how it's going to end. What if you are, you bought this practice at 35, we're trying to get to 60, all of a sudden you're 50 and you get hit by a bus mm. and you're gone. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The culture does survive. So does your spouse, significant other family, right? If it's all in place, if the exit strategy is in place, if the culture and the systems are good, your family is going to be rewarded, albeit the great loss of you, but they're going to be rewarded. If it is haphazard, if it is, you know, flying by the hip of seat of your pants, all that kind of stuff, then it has, yeah. it's, it's a disaster yeah. for whoever's left behind, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then you go to the ivory tower thing. I say this time and time again, and again, a couple others. And that's what I love about this is when you talk to people like yourself, you're not a dentist. You never, outside of your dentist experience on the customer service side, you haven't been there, but boots on the ground, getting in the weeds, getting dirty. Every business is a little bit different. And if you are the owner and you're now trying to sell to somebody else, who's not there, ever been there, isn't like you, Mm. they don't know that history. And that history dictates a lot. But the common theme of your history and my history is our culture. My culture might be different than yours, but it's Mm. still the idea that that's what we're great. And then I'm also finding out, and and you just hit this too, is that the cultures are actually the same in the end. Mm -hmm. There's still that same thing. There's that willingness to want to win. There's that willingness to fail. I saw this at the airport. I saw a sign and it's, uh, I think it's like um, life pass it on or it's, a, it's some kind of an ad. And, and what really struck me, it was, it was about Abraham Lincoln, right? How many times did Abraham Lincoln run for public office? Failure, Thir- failure, right? Yeah, 13, you know this. yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And then when does he win? Becomes yeah. the president of the United States and one of the greatest presidents in history, uh, you know, the man of the times really. So anyhow, it, it's just culture is, is something you create, but, there's common denominators within it and you can draw on people like yourself and what you've done as a a West point grad spending time in, in, you know, the military and combat zones and now coaching and mentoring young people. Let me talk, let me say, let me say to doc, people talk, or I I talk about this quite often. And what I've found is it's much harder to protect your culture than it is to build it. Do you, would you agree with that? Like, like you think about it, you look at like, you look at like high performing culture, like, you, you know, you and I are both sports guys, right? You know, you take someone like, you look at the dynasties, right? Like when, when COVID came, you had the bulls. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you look at like, that was egos that destroyed that. Or you like, you look at the Yankees or you look, I mean, you look at what happened with Brady and Belichick. It's always egos. Okay. It's always somebody, whether it's jealousy, whether it's, you know, whether it's money, I mean, it's almost so it's it's so much harder to protect your culture, I think, than it is to build it, right? Because what happens is, and I'll take this from a coach's perspective, and you can do the same thing, right, in your business. What happens is when you win, what do you do? You relax, right? You relax. You, you, so you're doing well, so you say, okay. And then we, we say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, respect a different result. You know what I think is only the only thing dumber than that? When you do something that made you successful, and you stop doing and you that. You stop doing it. Right. That's do dude, what that's got ridiculous. you there. Right. I always say that. Yeah. Do what got you there before. 
Right. It blows my mind, you know, that there's so many, you know, there's so many, so many folks. And of course I work with young people a lot and I'm like, man, that just, right. That like, that's insane. I mean, and right. And understanding that the protecting your culture is hard, right? It's not easy because the best advice I was ever given back when, when I was a lieutenant is I, I had a situation. I don't want to go into it because yeah, I'm not proud of it. It was something I did. It was, it was a pretty egregious mistake. Could have cost me my career actually. And it was a, a colonel that I was working for who was actually a Florida grad. I don't know why I remember this. And he didn't particularly like West Pointers. So he already wasn't fond of me to begin with. But um, I mean, I did something pretty stupid. And, and again, could have cost me my career. And he brought me to his office, maybe stand at attention in, in 95 degree weather at Fort Benning. I think he did that on purpose for like probably for like two hours. And he finally said, uh, you know, Lieutenant Kwasniak, he goes, um, basically told me how dumb I was. And then after that said, um, I want you to hear me because you're one of the smartest lieutenants I've ever had. He said, soldiers don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And there's so much truth in that. It's, and it's so simple, Todd, right? And it's, it, 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 it's so simple. So think of your, your folks working for you, right? And, you know, you talked about people don't know your business, right? But leadership is the people business. And everybody can, everybody can do that. And everybody can work on that. Leadership is a, it can be worked on constantly and consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, my wife's a dermatologist. There's not a day that goes by where, where when I tell her something about the epidermis, she looks at me like I'm a complete idiot. Right. And then, and then there's days where she'll, she'll tell me something about coaching where I'm like, you know, like, yeah, uh, right. she'll tell me something about lane. coaching. Yeah. Right. And not the same yeah. thing. Yeah. But what's amazing to me, and I promise her, you know, I, I've never mentioned anything, names or whatever, but I will say this. She's a West Point graduate. I'm proud of her. She was first in her class in med school. So I love bragging about her. But she says the best leader she ever worked for in her life was her boss in her dermatology office. She said she worships the man. Like, she gets emotional. And I'm thinking to myself, like where my wife has been and the things she's done in life. And think about that. Yeah. So the impact he has had on her, and that's a senior doctor, a lot of the mentorship you're talking about. It's like, if she could be anybody in the world, she would want to be him. And they're, they're different religions. They're different. I mean, he's male. She's not like, and yeah. it doesn't her, matter though. It, it, yeah. I mean, I just her hit. And that's, we're talking about inspiring people, right? And yep. so many times people think that's rah rah, and, and it's not. No, there's there's different kind of leaders, right? Right. There's leaders by example, which is fine. The quiet, silent type that everybody still gets in behind. There is the rah rah person. There's the person who says, "Look, at I've got all these book. I've got this book of experience. Follow me, and you do." There's all sorts of leaders. Pick and choose who you are. I think the best leaders, in my opinion, are the ones who empowered those. I don't want to say below them, but their direct reports empower them to be part of it. Because what are you doing when you give people the ability to have autonomy, to make some of their own decisions? I tell my teams all the time, look, if it's not in the office manual, right? If it's not in the operations manual, if it's not in, if it's not in, who's in front of you? Babe Kwasniak is in front of you and you don't know how to answer his question. Do what's best to make him happy. And then we'll go back and then your wife will know this morbidity, mortality conferences. We'll go back and we'll talk about the hows and why of it dying. Right. Mm-hmm. OK, he was there. Here's what you did. It wasn't, you know, we hadn't trained you on it or we didn't have an answer for that. You went ahead and you made an executive decision. You got the problem solved. You made babe very happy. OK, now let's talk about that. Do we need to write that? 
Is that not in our manual? So we need to put mm. that there for the future. And if so, the way you did it is that does that fit our core values in our culture? Do we want to tweak that a little bit? But what you're doing is you're not making that person wrong, right? You're you're, mm. you're thanking them for solving sure. the problem, catching them doing something right. Yeah. yeah. And even if you didn't like how they did it, they solved the problem for who was most important that time. And that was the customer, right? Now you come back and you figure it all out. You sit down you f- and then you let them, they become part of it. They become part of that culture. They become part of that, uh, the, the systems and it gets memorialized. And now the next time they come across something like that, they have more confidence to solve the problem. And, and you know, doc, that's such a great point. And two, and from a coach, people need to understand that everybody's role is not going to be the same. Right. So like if you're on a basketball team, like, OK, we're, we have one basketball. So one guy's going to get to shoot it, but someone has to pass it. I use the term hockey assist all the time because we don't get an assist for it in, in basketball. Right. But it's, it's making the right play. So in your practice, how do we collate that or correlate that? Well, you know, I don't know. Have, have you talked to the person cleaning your office? Have you talked to your you know, have you talked to your janitorial service? Because everybody has a role. And to me, what the great ones do is they make sure those folks understand that their role is is vital to our culture, which leads to our behaviors, which produces the results. Right. So, you know, like we, we don't just like, hey, this is beneath me, this is talking to this person. You know, we, in the army, we call that trooping a line. You know, we call that walking down the line and, and trooping and saying, hey, and it could be just something as easy as, you know, like, do you know your people? Do you know their families? Do you know, do you know their history? Listen, I mean, ask yourself, your folks working for you, if they didn't get paid, would they be doing it? I mean, the answer is probably no, right? I mean, I, I've been blessed where I'm in a position where my life where, you know, I'm doing things because I, I love it, right? I'm I'm literally living my dream. Uh, a lot of folks, like, they're doing this because to support their family. So we have to understand, you know, where where someone else is, is, is coming from. And that's, you know, that that's, that's such a, empathy is such an important piece mm-hmm. that we don't really talk about a much in leadership. Yeah. As is humility. And I learned that the hard way because when you don't humble yourself, you know, it tends to happen for you. And yes. again, I I learned that the hard way in terms of leadership. Most importantly for me that I've learned, Doc, that I would like to share with your listeners is, you know, so much early in my career, I wanted to be right. Hey man, I'm, I'm a West Point graduate. Like I'm in the Veterans Hall of Fame, but you listen to this grant, John Glennio Armstrong. I know this, right? Yeah, I know how like, to do this, right? Yeah. yeah. Man, and I think about like when I first met you, right? You're right, like back probably in 2008, whatever. Like that was most definitely that way. Now it's it's let's get it right. And you look at like our political climate today. Like so many people are worried about, okay, uh, you know, just being right. Oh, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. You're wrong. Let's just get it right. Whether it comes to you know the the, the stupid gun laws or like whether whether it comes to the race wars or just I mean everything in our society, you know. And we talk about social media and, and, I, and I appreciate you complimenting me, but it's hard, man. Like, yeah. cause there's people that come at me, brother. There, there's people that, man, you can't put rain back in the cloud. And, yeah. and for all the good that I hear from people like you, I have trolls, man. I mean, yeah. I've had people make a fake Twitter account of me and of all the things and saying like that all of these things in my career and catching me and like, they're saying I'm lying. And oh, it's God. brutal. And, and let me just say this. Why like, do you put energy? This, why do people put energy into that? Thing? Amazing. Right? It's unbelievable. That that yeah. does no good. That people no good. know me too. It's I mean, I, I know most of them are. That's like it's stuff. But, but anyway, matter. yeah. They're not even worth talking about. But, more like, energy mm-hmm. making someone wrong than you do in making an effort <laughs> to go forward. I, I mean my pastor, Pastor Kyle Reynolds says to me uh, at French Church, he says, People who try to make a point rarely make a difference. 
But people whose purpose is to make a difference rarely need to make a point. And they're, you know, so just serve others, man. Yeah. You know, like you serve others. And, and if you view leadership as that, is you, if you view that as not, hey, I'm in charge, I have to bark at people. If you view it as, hey, as you said, at my front desk, hey, Hallie, how do I make your job easier? What can I do to right. make this to make this better for you? Right. Like, how, how, what, what can I do? What can I what can I do to make it better? Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's going to be something. Hey, well, let me scroll through my Facebook. Well, no, you probably can't do that. But <laughs> at least now we're having the dialogue, right? right. And anytime right. Right. that conflict, I, I firmly believe in that. I mean, you know me, I I I meet things head on, right. and that a no, lot conflict of people is society, wonderful. Don't do that. In the right context, right? It doesn't have to be conflict. Doesn't have to be decided defined as knives and guns. It's you mm-hmm. have a vision and an opinion, and I have one over here, and we need to work this out. And in the end, maybe we agree to disagree. That's okay too. But it doesn't. It can actually propel an organization and a group of people forward. You know, conflict can be as much as deciding uh, when to have the Christmas party. Yeah. Right? You know, two people disagree on the date. All right, we got to figure <laughs> this out. Right. I mean, that's conflict. That's like every office, too. That's right. like every right. office's argument. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. That's why. Or I what it. goes into it. Right. Chocolate <laughs> right. fountain or. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, ultimately, babe, all of this conversation today, which I mean, tell you, I, the problem with podcasting, what I'm discovering for me personally is I'm listening to you. And I, like I said, tangents, it's what happens to me. Mm-hmm. My head. There's like 17 questions from 10 minutes ago. I still have. I haven't gotten yeah. there yet. Can't I can't. There's not enough time. I try to keep my short my shows relatively short, some wow moments, some bang content, and then we'll we'll do it again later. You have touched on we didn't even get to talk about systems today. All mm. we did was talk about the culture. But I want to come back around to where we started. Culture, systems. These are the things that add value to your practice. Ultimately, mm. I am consulting, strategizing, trying to teach, motivate doctors to prepare for leaving their practice. Your patients are going to go someplace else if they don't stay with the new person. You Mm. want to be prepared for that new person to have the seamless, most seamless transition. You want to get the biggest value out of the practice at the time that you move on. But moving on also doesn't mean selling it and walking off into the sunset and playing golf every day. Okay. It's, it could be you know, that you could sell off pieces of it. There's different ways. And that's where I feel like I have all this strength now. Like you were talking, we've definitely become humble. It's interesting mm-hmm. as you get older with experience, you start to become, you don't, your ego doesn't grow. And I say, this is another thing that I say all the time. There's a difference between confidence and cockiness. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. At 35, Arrogance. you're cocky. I, I talked to this yeah. dentist not too long ago where we're, I'm part of a different group. Uh, it's a guy that's pulling together a bunch of practices to take them to market, if you will. And there was one guy he wanted me to talk to, a young guy, about 35, got building the newer mm. building, all this other stuff. And you know, he sat there like this, like, mm. and I'm thinking, dude, you are one cocky SOB, and that is going to come kick you in the, mm, like you've mm. never been kicked before. Mm. Confidence. Confidence comes about by shedding that cockiness, not being afraid to fail. That's where confidence comes in. Hey, babe, knock me down. Go Can ahead. I jump in on that, Doc? I, yeah. I, I love that point. Listen, I went to West Point because I got a letter because I got recruited for them for, for basketball. And Oh, yeah. By the it, way, just small sidebar here. Babe played D1 at West Point. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, and, and, um, and I'll never forget this. My guidance counselor, I brought her the letter and she looked at it and she said, you have no chance. Like, don't even, 
you won't get in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to West Point. Right. I went to medical sales after my time in the army. And I remember being in an interview and I was with a doctor and a sales director, Todd, for two hours. They're like, okay, you have no medical experience. You have no sales experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, okay, my answer is not going to change after two hours. That was a job I want. I wanted that. So that was a job I ended up taking and, and I used that job to pay my wife's way through med school. Then, you know, my whole life, Hey, you're, you're a small white guy playing division one basketball. I wasn't very smart, made it through West point. I just, I had a chip on my shoulder my entire life and it drove me. Like we talked about the fire. It was the passion, you know, to prove people wrong. It also got to a very dangerous place where I call it the invisible enemy, where I was constantly telling myself, and you're always moving in, in the direction of your, your thoughts that I, was, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't a good enough man. I wasn't a good enough father. I wasn't a good enough soldier. I wasn't a good enough. And that's what led me you know, to, to fight anxiety and depression all, all along with some, some extenuating circumstances. What's, what's my point? Number one, don't let other people define your success. Especially, nobody knows your practice like you do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no. And I remember like when I won my third state championship, my dad was sitting there looking at me. We were fifth in the country. And he's like, are you not happy? It's like, no, I don't feel anything. And, and that was like the date. Like you can't let other people dictate your success. And then also understand like when I was interviewing for that medical sales job, I didn't need somebody to have confidence in me. I needed somebody to have confidence enough in themselves to hire me. I knew I could do the job. And I was on stage every year. Like right. I've, n- I've never had a sales number that I didn't, I didn't need them to believe in me. And you got to understand that you're not going to be for everybody. Right. And, mm-hmm. and let me make my most, my most important point where, where I'm trying to go with this is I spent so much of my life, Todd, trying to prove people wrong. And now I'm at a point in my life where the people who love and believe in me, people like my wife, Jason, yourself, who I know believe in me, I, I try to prove them right. And that has made such a difference in my mental health. I mean, I just cannot, I, I just cannot. So, you know, we say, hey, how can this apply to my office? Because we, we talked about it. Leadership is the business of people, man. We're talking about people. And you know what, Todd, we're never going to have an app for that, brother. We're never, we're right. never going to be able to, leadership right. is the one thing it's never going to change, right? right? And you look at, if anything, it's hard now than ever. We can have relationships with people out in California that are miles and miles wide, but they're an inch deep. And, you know, we we talk about the get off my lawn in the good old days. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you and I are as impractical that way, right? Because, you know, we we cannot see each other for a couple of weeks and there's going to be a bear hug. And, 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 and listen, man, that is, that's a context for it. And understand that like, while everybody might not be that way, if you're up at the top of the ladder, that's why it's lonely up there, right? That's why, that's why it's lonely up there. So if you're not good at it, you better figure it out, right? Right. You you better figure it out because you're only as good you know this, you're only as good as your, as your team, right? I get the best players on the bus. I got the best players. I'm going to have the best team. I don't care if it goes to a hockey team. I don't go the greatest team in the world, United States army, or if it goes into Dr. Russell's dental practice, the end. Wow. Babe, we could go on for like four more hours and I can't take up your time like that. And obviously I'm going to have you back, bud, if you don't mind. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to, I would love to do a special on mental health for in case any employees or anything. Yeah, and so let's kind of wrap up with a couple of things here. First of all, thank you for being on my show, number one. My show, Dentrepreneur, dentrepreneurllc.com. You can find me on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But more importantly, 
babe, we've got some, you're doing some of God's work with uh, suicide prevention and also your, your speaker series. So how can people get a hold of you for all of that? Cause listen, if someone's looking to hire someone for a, um, a motivational speaker series, this is the guy, get this <laughs> guy. That. He's worth every second of it. Okay. So go ahead. How can people get a hold of you? Babe? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can go to diligentplans.com, www.diligentplans. That's the, uh, Chris Yeagle's my boss. That's my agent who I speak out of. And now the season's over. I, you know, I, I fill up pretty quickly. So, but I love to, love comes talking to organizations, talk a ton about mental health. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's something I don't enjoy talking about, but obviously it's something very needed, you know, these days. And then I'm pretty active, as you know, on social media, it's at Babe Quaz on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram. I'm, Facebook's getting to be a, a murky place in terms of politically and all that. So I'm trying to make a decision over Easter of maybe, you know, cutting back a lot on there, but, but I am on LinkedIn. Yeah. Twitter at Babe Quaz and Instagram at, uh, at Babe Quaz as well. B-A-B-E-K-W-A-S. Awesome. Well, my friend, thank you so much for being on my show today. I look forward to having you back. Um, and there's, yeah, there's plenty of topics for us to, to get through. So we'll, we'll cycle back in the coming months and I will probably be seeing you in a couple of weekends at somebody's big birthday party. Coming. That's right. We'll be, we'll be there, brother. Can't wait. All right. All right. Thanks, babe. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Please follow or subscribe to this show on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. If you would like further information or to meet with me one-on-one and discuss your practice, please feel free to contact me through my website, dentrepreneurllc.com. Many more exciting guests and topics are headed your way. 